welcome to the Check Your Head podcast, Mental Health for Musicians, the podcast for notable musicians. Come share their personal stories and their solutions on mental health. I'm your host, Mari Fong, a music journalist and life coach for musicians. And it's been about five months since we've been in some kind of lockdown due to the coronavirus pandemic. And as a result of everything going on in the world right now, there is a lot of stress and even depression. But never fear, the Check Your Head podcast is here, and today we'll be talking with a talented vocalist and keyboardist who plays for the industrial electronica band IMX, and also for Bullet Height, her electronic rock collaboration with John Courtney. This incredible musician is Sammy Dahl, who shares her story of depression and living with Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, or ADHD, as well as her solutions for these conditions. Afterwards, I'll be talking with singer-songwriter Kat Jensen, a featured guest on an earlier Check Your Head episode, about how to recognize depression and ways to help others and yourself recover from this potentially fatal condition. Now, we start the interview with Sammy Dahl talking about her social media post in 2017, which resulted in a surprising and overwhelming response from her fans. I wanted to start with um, a Facebook post that describes how you felt in the depths of depression. You know, it was kind of a mix between me being at my absolute wit and in the darkest place that I had ever been. And also a friend reaching out to me, a bandmate of mine, reaching out to me and, um, you know, recognizing that I wasn't myself. She basically sat me down and, you know, was was very, um, very matter of fact. She was like, you are not yourself. What's going on? Are you okay? Like, do you need help? Do you need, um, do you need to talk about anything? Because you're, you know, your performance, you're just, you're so, you're so distant. And everything that she was saying to me, it just hit the nail on the head in a way that I couldn't ever explain it myself. And uh, it just unlocked a whole, a whole flurry of emotions that I had been suppressing for years. And um, I had never been confronted like that before. So uh, for me to be able to have that release, um, you know, and to have such a, a strong-willed friend that was willing to sit there and listen to me, regardless of, of what the outcome was going to be, you know, she genu- genuinely cared about me and my, my state of, uh, of being, and for, for no other reason uh, other than she could tell that I was having a tough time. Um, I don't think I would have reached out myself because I had become so complacent in that feeling, in that, that feeling of depression, in that, that loneliness, in that disconnection. Well, I think that disconnection makes you want to withdraw because you feel so um, out of place and so not like yourself that you do want to hide away. And so that's very true um, for me. And I'm sure like a lot of other people feel it's difficult um, when you're when you're going through the feelings of depression to uh, to want to reach out because you feel like you're a burden and you feel like mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear your problems and you feel like uh, you know you, d- you don't want to bother anybody with what you're going through because why should they care and that's that, that those are all very normal feelings those are those are telltale feelings of of depression right and especially that feeling of being a burden on your family or your friends and um, kind of feeling worthless. And it's it's that feeling oftentimes that can get people in trouble and have them hurt themselves. You know, your post was so vulnerable. I don't know if you mind if I read it. Please do. Uh, because it, 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 it reminds me of... Uh, of it's going to open up a time capsule, but it, it would be great, yes. Anyways, it starts off, it says, I'm not going to lie. This has been one of the hardest mentally and emotionally challenging years of my life. This was the year I fell into depression, a sticky black mass of weight. I feel it's haunting my everyday existence and seems never ending. The weight is suffocating at times, 
and I've pulled away from updating a lot of my social outlets because this disease is mentally debilitating and infects every aspect of the way you go through your day and dictates how you live your life. You feel like a burden, a bum to be around, and unable to translate your thoughts or emotions properly because you aren't sure how or what the issues are or why and definitely don't want to be the downer to anyone. So for me, for many months, I suffered in silence. And you feel like nothing you are or do is important, so why bother? My behavior started to change, and things that usually would be a pleasure ended up being a pain. And I've isolated myself from my friends and family and pulled back from social outings, laid in bed for hours thinking horrible, horrible thoughts, stared into sleepless nights, and pushed away everyone around me as I allowed the hold of depression to encompass me. This is what this dirty devil of a disease wants, and I have succumbed to it. And this has been my entire year. I'm, I'm curious. I, I saw the post, and I saw how many people responded. I wasn't able to read all of the posts, but I was wondering, can you, can you think of ones that you remember of, of what people replied? I, I didn't write that post to gain attention by any means. I kind of wrote it just as a way to get it off of my shoulders, just, just mm-hmm. for me. I did not expect the, the reception that it got. I was floored by how many people started to share their story with me, how many people were going through very similar things, how many people uh, were overjoyed that somebody else was going through that, um, you know, somebody that they may have looked at, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician, so somebody that they may have looked at as um, as one thing is actually very human and going through the same things as they are. Some people had expressed that they didn't quite know how to articulate it themselves and the words really resonated with them. Um, it kind of helped them put uh, words to their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of people that shared with me experiences that they'd had in the past um, and how they overcame them. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of all, there was just an amazing amount of support that was uh, that was shown through that post. Um, people talking to each other uh, in the comments, you know, um, mm-hmm. pe- people not only commenting on what I had to say, but on what other people had to say as well. And it was just this beautiful community of people that were all uh, coming together to, you know, build the sort of bond of strength. It was just an amazing amount of support a community that I, I had never experienced or expected. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of what happens when you go to a group setting or a, a group therapy. When people are so honest, like you were on your post, uh, I could tell it wasn't a, an attention-getting kind of a thing. It touches them in a way where they finally feel like, oh my gosh, somebody else understands and somebody else is actually in the same shoes that I am in right now. And there's a sense of relief with that. And that's why I think it's so healing to be able to speak out. Um, Because that outpouring of love and support um, and expression that you got is not only I'm sure made you feel good that you touch people like that, but also allowed other people to express how they really felt. Also in that post, you were sharing some of the successes of that year. And I think it's important to to bring out because oftentimes we have musicians that end up hurting themselves or committing suicide. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, they were just in the recording studio and, and developing new music. And, oh, my gosh, you know, they just had this really successful tour. You know, it seemed like everything was OK on the outside. Um with these successes, yet behind, I guess, behind the mask is a whole different scenario. Mm, absolutely. I've always, <clears throat> I've always felt that it's important to, you know, take a step back regardless of what you're going through and 
look at what you do have versus what you don't. And um, although I was going through that feeling and, and, and suffering through it, um, as I had said, in silence um, for a good amount of time, that didn't necessarily mean that I didn't go through great times either. And mm -hmm. it's important to remember the balance. There's always a balance. And when you focus on too much of the bad, it's really hard to see any of the good. And it's quite... Um, it's quite a task, but it, it, it's something that, that people have the ability to do if they just kind of remove themselves from the situation, the immediate situation, and say, okay, look, just even at the very basic primal level, at this moment, I'm wearing clothes, and I have a place to live. Mm -hmm. And you just start off with the things that you're thankful for and the things that, you know, you're grateful for, um, and things don't seem so bad on the you know on that sort of surface and even at, for a temporary relief you you're not so much focused on the bad because mm -hmm. you are trying to remember what the good is and that really really does help bring the balance together and it's work, especially when you're not feeling well. Oh, yeah. It is so much work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And it's very to hard. actually believe that and be reminded of that. What, what do you feel sort of got you into that state in 2017? What kind of led up to it? I think it was a mixture of a lot of things. I was living abroad in, uh, in Berlin. Um, I think that was my fourth or fifth year that I was there. And... Um, I had an amazing group of friends, uh, a great community. I wasn't quite happy with where I was, I suppose. Um, I wanted, I didn't really want to live there anymore. I wanted to move. Um, my relationship uh, that I had had was going south as well, mm -hmm. um, which it does. Like, you know, you have to take into consideration that that is, you know, a catalyst, definitely, when you spend a lot of time with this with somebody and it's not going great you know and it's kind of slowly dying um that that's never a nice feeling um so that mixed with not really wanting to be in that country and not really knowing not really knowing where to go next and indecision and feeling like I was stale stagnant mm -hmm. not getting ahead you know all, all of these feelings I think that's kind of where it started um I had released an album uh that was caught in the cross transfer of power uh, within the labels um so it's it's not like you know it's not like the album was bad it just wasn't heard by anybody and it sucked because i think we were we were both looking forward to touring a lot with that um because the album it, i mean i might be biased but the album's amazing <laughs> yeah um and germany just wasn't the place to release a rock record and just kind of feeling lost in that and, and disconnected, um, you know, the things I had mentioned in, in that post, sort of the things that did bring me joy that I knew I could always rely on, like touring mm -hmm. um, and music. I just didn't find joy in um, oh, anymore. that's really hard. So it, it became, uh, and that's because that feeling had already suffocated me to where nothing was really... Um, you know, my, my escape, I suppose, um, like music is, is being on stage is, is an escape, really. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it's escapism, but it's just kind of like a channel into a different, uh, a different part of me. Right. Um, it's not compartmentalized. It's just a part that I, I don't get to channel very often in my daily life. Mm -hmm. um, and I love it because it's adrenaline, it's energy. Um, and once, you know, the depression had taken a hold of me, um, I couldn't tap into that anymore and it was it was a real bummer <laughs> well i think that's the hard part um i mean one of the really difficult parts of depression is that all the things that you love and all the emotions that you rely on or just love to feel like being in love or excitement and um, even compassion these are all things that get muted or you can't feel them anymore. And if you're a musician and you can't feel the music, you can't feel the joy in music or in creating music. I mean, these are, you could see where people and musicians can just feel like um, not wanting to go on. Mm -hmm. But it's just being persistent in trying to find the way out. 
So what was it for you that was the turning point? Um, For me, it was, uh, I had the opportunity. So um, the band that I was on tour with was my band. Uh, We did a short UK run. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was when I was feeling like, oh no, like you know, I I had thought like, I'm I'm totally gonna go on this tour and everything's gonna be great, but I just kept feeling worse and worse. And then knowing that I had to go back to Berlin after that was oh. just crushing. And so, this was with IMX or with Bullet Height. This is with Bullet Height. Okay. So um, my I, I play in IMX as well, and uh, they live now in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. so. They invited me to come over literally like the day after my my tour in the UK ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I text with them quite a lot. So they kind of knew what was going on just from a surface perspective. Um, but they know me so well. They they just they were able to cut see through the bullshit because they have gone through so much with mental health that, you know, they can see straight through, you know. Well, you were saying the lead singer. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. has also had um, challenges, and yes. he's been open about speaking on his struggles. So that's great that you had somebody that had an understanding and also was compassionate to that. Absolutely, it's it's an amazing support system. Uh, that that just Chris Janine, they are, you know, they they have helped. I, I always like to say IMX saved my life, but in many ways, not, not through, I mean, yeah, it helped me through depression, helped me, uh, kind of find who I am, uh, mm-hmm. and who I was going to become and still who I am turning out to be. Um, there's, there's many, many regenerations, uh, and reinventions of myself through this band. And, uh, this was, this was just one of the many examples of it. They invited me to, uh, come to LA and spend the winter with them uh, and prep for the tour that was going to begin, I think, late January. Okay. And we were going to record um, a music video for the new album and they just needed some help. And uh, it was a great opportunity for me to come to LA, get in the sunshine, try to sort myself out, uh, see if it made me feel better, see my my family, as uh, my family all lives here. So. yeah, I got on a plane and got here, and I think I was here for about two and a half weeks. And uh, then Janine sat me down and was like, "You got to tell me what's going on. Like, I don't. I feel like you're disconnected. I feel like you're not here. It kind of feels like you don't want to be here." And I think when she had said that, that's when I kind of broke down and I just released all the emotions. <laughs> um, started that uh, just crying and she was like oh my god <laughs> you know mm-hmm. she 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 was like okay just let it you know let it out and um i was able to just to kind of like all that that floodgate like that there was like a dam that was holding it all up and there was like this floodgate of emotions that just came like pouring out of me and um and i think that's where it started because i had had i had bottled all of those emotions up for so long and didn't know what to do with them where to put them. So was that, you said, like the beginning of your healing or the beginning of, of recognizing that, you know, you need to do something about your depression? Everything. Yeah, I, th- I, think, it, I think it was a little bit of everything because I had felt so uh, in a corner for so long. Yeah. I knew something needed to change in order to feel better, but I wasn't sure what. Um, and I didn't know how to go about finding it. Um, so just just, you know, by being in a place that I felt like I was valued for um, for my skill and for my uh, ability and, and all of that, um, that boosted my morale quite a bit. Okay. Um, and then I remember writing this post, because she had probably had that discussion with me maybe like 26th or 27th of December, and I wrote that on, on New, Year's, um, New Year's Eve. Okay. Where I woke up... And I was on my friend's couch and uh, I just started typing this all on my phone. Mm-hmm. I was just letting all the words come out. And uh, I, I can't remember how long it took me, but um, I finally felt like I had a little bit of clarity. So that, in a way, was the beginning of the healing process. And also was able, I was able to kind of put all of those feelings out on the table 
and kind of organize them like, okay, this is a feeling that I don't want to have anymore. So how can I change it? What, what do I, because you, you are totally in control and with depression, you don't realize that you, you are in control, that you can be in control. You feel like you just, it's out of control that you can't. And uh, once you're able to kind of flip that perspective and, and realize that you are the master of your destiny, mm-hmm. you know, um, only you can control what happens, um, your drive, your initiative, all of that is what makes up where you will go. Um, and if you need to get out of a, of a situation, then the only person that can do that is you. So what was the first step for you to find out what would work for you to to um, turn things around. I think with the the feeling that I had being in Los Angeles, um, just being in a place that was familiar and a place where I felt valued, um, just just for for what I can offer, um, whether you know whether it be through work or, or you know I just I just felt more at home, more familiar. Mm-hmm. And when you're going through depression and you're feeling really alone. Uh, and like you can't relate to anything you will glom on to any sort of familiarity and i think i really just needed to be around that first so that was the first thing that i think started to help me turn myself around was to you know be in the sunshine be around um you don't you have no idea how much sunshine affects you <laughs> you really need it yeah i i mean <sighs> You know, there are people around the world where they have six months of uh, darkness mm-hmm. and uh, it really does affect, you know, and people end up having to take antidepressants or, mm-hmm. or, you know, have sunlight therapy. But the other thing is, you know, your atmosphere, despite how how you might be as, you know, your personality, if you go to another place, uh, like another country, that country... Um, has its own atmosphere and no matter no matter what it can really envelop us and it could affect us affect our moods uh, so I would think on top of the fact that you weren't at home you were also in a in a country that you just you never know, was, quite adapted to um, I mean yeah. I, I don't want to say adapted that's not the word um God, I, I'm a very adaptable person. That's why I can be a touring musician. <laughs> it's more, it's like I never acclimated. That's that's mm-hmm. the word. Um, didn't acclimate uh, in the way that it would make sense for me to stay. So I kind of always felt like I was in transience. I see. And uh, for me, I mean, maybe it's different for, for some people, but I kind of, I hate that feeling of um, being uprooted and kind mm-hmm. of just floating around. Um, and for five years, I loved it for, for about three of those years. Okay. Um, because it was all new and it was all exciting and, and everything. Uh, you know, living in a different country, I, I'd 100% recommend it to everybody. Just so that you can get out of your comfort zone. But yeah, yeah. when it started to become negative uh, was when I knew that I had to do something. But I wasn't quite ready to find what that was yet. And as I had mentioned, like I was in a relationship that I had stayed in. We just became really, really good friends. And uh, I think our expectations of each other, he was also going through a really, really rough time with his depression. Mm, okay. and, but we didn't know how to communicate that with each other. So we just kind of, you know, uh, for me, I, I'm an over communicator. Okay. And for him, he was a, a, a under communicator. Oh. So it was, um, you know, we look back on it, we're really great friends now. I mean, we always have been. But, uh, it, you know, back in, in the moment, it was very uh, emotionally volatile. Okay. Just because, um, you know, when, when you're not understanding the person that you're closest to, it uh, you, you feel very much a stranger in your own house. So bringing it all back to how I started to heal, I had decided after the tour that I had done with IMX that I would move back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had waited for a really long time, um, you know, for, for my my boyfriend at the time to make a decision whether or not he wanted to move somewhere else with me, um, whether it be London or whether it be Los Angeles uh, or wherever, just not Berlin, <laughs> you know. Um, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't ready to leave. So for me, it was like, okay, and having to cut the umbilical cord of this relationship is dead in the water. That was a huge, it was very, very hard as, as it is just to kind of come to that 
I mean, breakups suck, but then when you're depressed and you're in a breakup, that also really, really sucks. Yeah, and it's scary, too, because it's almost like, even though it sounds like your relationship was kind of polarizing because, you know, he was withdrawing and you wanted to communicate, it's still a foundation that's been there Mm -hmm. for a while. So even if it, you know, I think that even if there's a positive change, you know, one that you both agree on, it's still a change. Yeah. And that just rocks it, it rocks your world. It rocks the boat. And you have to figure out how to readjust. And that whole process is just uncomfortable. Absolutely. In just by itself. And frightening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any, I think any, any sort of element of change, uh, monumental change, anything like that is scary. And, uh, but it can be done with the relationship thing. Right. Um, you know, one person wasn't ready to move on and the other person was. And that, I think, once I was able to decipher that break... Um, then I could think for me and what I needed, um, which was to move, mm-hmm. basically move, move to a place where I knew that I could get better. And that, that means uh, both, you know, physically, um, mentally, emotionally, all of that. And uh, that was where it started, the, the healing started. I remember buying my plane ticket and then I had like a countdown to say goodbye to my life that I had known for for five years and uh, and move on to the next chapter of my life. And that that is liberating, I think. Um, I remember when I had done that, I was like, oh, this big sigh of relief where it's like, you know, any major change in life is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a walk in the park by any means. But the amount of relief that you get when you have the ability to look at it from an outside perspective, um, especially after you've you know been been there for a couple months, you you realize like wow things are getting a lot better you know or I made I made this change for me because I needed it mm-hmm. and uh, even though it was uncomfortable to to do, I am much better for it. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to kind of see what you needed and kind of move forward with it. I mean, I'm so thankful that your friend really sat you down and said, look, something's going on. Tell me what's going on. Because I think sometimes we could see people um, and think something's a little bit off, but we may not say anything or maybe we approach that person and they say, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. And you know, deep down, something's wrong. And I think sometimes we do have to get into people's faces and yeah. <laughs> say, you know, what is going on? How can I help you? You know, what can I do? I'm sure you appreciated your friend doing that. Maybe it was kind of um, a surprise to you. Oh, it was so uncomfortable in the moment. Yeah. Because I had to, I had only ever been, you know, one person with, with her, you know, which is like, you know, we, we were, you know, obviously friends outside of it. And I'd lived with them and, and all of that. But it was never a vulnerable or emotional point that I had ever got with them and nothing really ever ever broke the ice quite like this and yeah it was very surprising I wasn't not expecting that and I wasn't expecting my reaction to be so strong <laughs> I guess what was that reaction um, just in like I just got so emotional I couldn't even talk I think I just needed to cry yeah you know and I think I just needed someone to kind of say that it was okay you know, and and for me to feel that, and it was a uh, it was a really really powerful moment. I I had felt in in those those months that nobody nobody cared, mm-hmm. and I and I had mentioned that I went through some very dark thoughts, very much so to where it was like, well, if nobody cares, then yeah, what's the point? You know, right. and I would wake up and be disappointed. I was still breathing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it got it got quite dark for a bit, but um. Once she reached out, even though she was continents away, even the people that I was closest to, nobody did that except for somebody that recognized maybe, you know, somebody that had been through it themselves mm-hmm. and, and, and witnessed somebody go through their own journey. Um, and, and she was she has gone through her own journey as well, as we all have. Yeah. But um, for for people to recognize the signs it all it takes is just paying attention it is important um 
and going back to that post, it, 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 it really, really helped me feel like people do care. I was reading that you also um, grew up uh, having been diagnosed and treated for ADHD, mm-hmm. which is Attention Defi- Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Was that something that you had noticed as something that wasn't quite right? Or was it something that your parents noticed? Or how are you? What was going on with you? You know, it's funny you ask that because I've been on and off that medication for most of my life. Um, I was diagnosed when I was eight years old. Whether or not, I mean, I think my standpoint is a little bit different now than it used to be. I I used to kind of just think that it was an excuse for bad parenting. (laughs) But uh, I look back at my, you know, because kids just want to be kids. Right. You know, but then I look back at at some of my uh, my remarks that some of the teachers had said uh, in school and and the general gist was she does whatever she wants. (laughs) She does whatever she wants Mm -hmm. and she's not able to focus on what we are doing. Uh, And so uh, looking back at those, you know, from from a, I guess, adult perspective, um, I was able to to recognize that, yeah, you know, it wasn't just bad parenting because as soon as I became medicated, I, uh, the remarks started getting a little bit, um, better. I started going from like a satisfactory remark to, uh, to, oh, she's actually very bright and she does care, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, it's not that I never cared. It's just that I didn't so much care about whatever they were talking about right at that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and once I, I remember becoming medicated, I'd have to, I'd have to go down to the nurse's office, um, so I would take a pill in the morning and then I'd go to the nurse's office where the the nurse would administer the, the pill to me. Um, for all of my, uh, all of my like elementary years at least. And then I got into middle school and realized like, you know, I didn't take them during, during the, during the weekends or anything. Um, and I, I think that I was still too young to kind of notice a difference about when I did and didn't take them because I just wasn't so in tune with, with, uh, you know, self-actualization back then, mm-hmm. you know, your kid. But as I moved into my adult life, and this probably had a lot to do, not a lot, but it, it probably had some, something to do with, with how deep and dark into my depression that I got. Um, for me, I am not happy unless I have all of my plates full and mm-hmm. I'm spinning them. You know, I, I'm not happy unless I have like seven irons in the fire and, you know, a full schedule. And that's just because I am so motivated to be productive. And when I was not taking the medication in Germany, um, so in my adult life, I've gone on and off uh, from taking it. And uh, when I was in Germany, so they don't they don't prescribe that over there. And I was like, oh, I don't need it. It's all fine. It does um, it is, it is a disease, you know, in, in, in that, in that way, it's a mental, it's a mental, uh, behavioral health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, my brain just isn't able to, to connect the dots on how to start and finish one task. I have several tasks and I start one and then I move to the other one and, and task one never gets finished and then I go over to task two and then I get distracted by something that's in the next room. And then task two doesn't get finished. But then I realize that task three that I started last week, oh, I've got to do, you know, it's it's so very scattered. Um, and uh, something else that comes with that is um, I get very, very down on myself, even still now, uh, mm-hmm. when I feel like I'm stale or stagnant. And that is because I have this natural ability to just go and and do as many things as I can within the hours that I am awake. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the only way I feel that things get done. Um, and when I, when I am unable to do that, I don't, I, I'm able to recognize it now, but when I'm unable to do that because of one thing or an extra, I'm not medicated. Uh, my mood goes down dramatically and I start questioning everything. See, that's really interesting. So with the ADHD, when you're off medication, you find that your emotions kind of do a roller coaster. They kind of do, they're not as stable. Are you saying yeah. there's ups and downs and sort of unexplainable ups and downs, would you say? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's what what um, you know, Adderall and Ritalin and and dextrin, all of those, uh, they're they're stimulants. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they they increase your ability to, uh, for me, it's to connect the dots. But um, you know, stimulants or uh, for in layman's terms, they they're uppers. So when you're going through this, like for me, when I'm when I'm not medicated, I can coast just fine. But if I hit a roadblock for whatever reason, whether it be I can't finish something or I can't focus on one thing or I have all these deadlines that I've set up for myself and I can't quite get there, um, you know, I, I start to get very, very down on myself. And so that's when it I can coast just fine until I realize that I'm stagnant. I see. And then that's when the emotion plummets. And that's when oh. I'm I'm like because I'm, I'm unable to to get into that state of of realizing that I can pull myself out of it uh-huh. but I just have to uh you know oh I just have to do this so I have to I have to do it in this order you know uh this is where I start this is where I finish um and and that's that's what the medication helps me do it helps me just kind of put everything in order but when I don't have that and I didn't realize it because I didn't have it for so long that it's a huge catalyst for me to to have a crash I suppose okay. um, an emotional crash so you've come to really appreciate it. And I think maybe part of it, too, is when people are diagnosed with something, it takes time to really accept that. Sometimes their minds are like, you know, I don't think I have that. or mm. I'm fine. And then it just takes a lot of trial and error to find out what works for you and maybe even to see a pattern like you were seeing, starting to see a pattern. No, it took me 23 years. But <laughs> I think that's really why it's important to be persistent because yeah. sometimes you don't see the answers up front. Um, were there any cons to the medication? Were there, or was it just like, oh, I don't think I need it. I'm fine. Or yeah, it was mostly like I I kind of went through this thing in my twenties where I was like, oh, I don't need to be controlled by anything, mm-hmm. you know. And it and it was like I didn't I didn't like being um, I didn't like feeling like I needed something. You know, and maybe that was just my rebellious blah, blah, blah. But um, I also didn't really see the benefit of it other than, oh, well, I can do, you know, I'm doing music now. for, for it. So so I became a, a full-time touring um, person when I became 20, I think it was 22 is when I, maybe it was 21. That, that was something that interested me so much that I didn't need the medication because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But it wasn't like pile A, pile B, pile C, you know, task, task A, B, and C. Uh, could get done any better because I was interested in it. Mm-hmm. It just made it a little bit more. Uh, I had a little bit more initiative that was already there because it was something that really interested me, um, and and I got by on that for a long time. But there was a tour a couple of years ago that Chris uh, in IMX decided that we were going to change our whole setups. So uh, we were going from I think I was using main stage. It was all primarily. This is really nerdy. Uh, but primarily like soft synth. So it was basically like a computer and it was rather than a standalone synth. And uh, and that was all I was really used to playing in, in that band. And uh, and all of a sudden we were moving to the strictly hardware. So I had however many, I think maybe like a week, to reprogram everything in a synth that I had never used before. Two okay. synths that I had never used before. So um, in those moments then I realized, I was like, oh my God, yeah. It's not that I'm not interested in this. But I really, really do need, uh, you know, that that help to uh, to finish task A, to finish task B in that order, you know, in order for anything to get done. And it did take me a long time to kind of realize, like, yeah, well, it's not like they diagnosed me with this because it was, you know, fun, <laughs> you know, or or just because like I was a a child that that might have had a bit of a rebellious side. But no, it's because um, and I, yeah, I did I did come to terms with it. I I, I really just need it to to function i suppose okay um but at the same time i didn't like to to feel like i needed anything yeah and i think that's the struggle is that we all want to feel like you know we're just we're fine the way we were born Mm -hmm. um but as the reality is is that there is some great medication out there that can really help us live our lives and make us feel more like ourselves and, you know, like in your case, get from one point to another and get to a point where you really appreciate that. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very grateful for the, I mean, now, now that I'm living back in Los Angeles, you know, I'm medicated now and, uh, um, again, and, and I feel, you know, things are moving at a very fast pace for me and I could not imagine doing all the things that I do without having, you know, the aid mm-hmm. that, um, that, that I have, uh, the ability to have. Now, did you have to, did you take anything for depression? Yeah, when I was in, for a little bit, yes, uh, okay. I, t- I took Zoloft when I was a teenager. The mental mental illness runs in my family. Okay. Um, my mom was depressed, or depressed, I'm sorry, she was diagnosed with um, manic depression. Okay. And uh, anxiety, I believe, and also ADD. And then there's like my uncle and my aunt, and it, it just goes, and all my cousins, my sister, definitely. Um, we've all been clinically diagnosed with something. Has, it, have you lost any family members due to mental illness? I have I have a cousin that's incarcerated that I feel is a could have definitely benefited from um getting mental help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe that they were uh, that side of the family was so in tune with with the reality of the situation um, before things got bad for him. In that aspect, we did lose him. Um, he's still, he's still alive, <laughs> but, uh, he wasn't able to get the treatment that perhaps he, that, that could have benefited him before. I haven't had any history of, um, of anybody taking their own life or anything. Okay. Um, everybody has been quite open to receiving help. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it is amazing because not a lot of people, are able to have that sort of support system, I suppose, in their family. If you feel like you don't have anybody that you can reach out to, you know, um, there are so many groups out there that I know, and it might might even sound, oh, this is so lame, I'm going to talk to people I don't know. It is so relieving to know that you're not alone in that feeling, whatever it is you're feeling. I stumbled upon it accidentally through my post um, and had an amazing um, reception, and it really, really helped me feel better. So um, whatever your medium is, uh, in that moment, even if you're feeling like nobody cares, they 100% do. And uh, if I could say one more parting thing, um, a task that really helped me, and uh, and I saw this actually happen um, on one of the tours I was with when when Chris was going through his um, his healing um mm-hmm. Uh, and and starting to overcome his uh, his depression, um, it was a a really lovely exercise that he did that he he would ask everybody to do. Where at the end of the night, we would be like, "All right, well, what are five good things that happened today?" And uh, you have to sit there, and even if you had the worst day, he would make you do it. And um. And that sort of positive reinforcement is all you need because it's infectious. So even if I was like, oh, God, my synth broke today and like I might have been feeling fat or like, you know, all of these things Mm -hmm. sat there and was like, I had a good dinner. I had a really nice dinner. I played an amazing show with hundreds of people that loved every moment of it. And that that day was somebody's best day they've ever had. And I was a part of that. Yeah, that's special. Anything that helps you remove yourself from the darkness, mm-hmm. just for a moment, because you really owe it. You deserve it to your, you know, you, you deserve that. You deserve that feeling of, of relief. Well, today I have the talented singer-songwriter Kat Jensen joining me today to talk about Sammy Dahl's interview and also about what to look for in depression and also how we could help others if we come across someone who has depression or if you have depression yourself. Welcome, Kat, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Maury. I'm so excited to be here. I am so glad you're here to give us some um, additional insight. Uh, But first of all, I wanted to ask you about Sammy Dahl's interview. Uh, what stood out to you most regarding well, her depression? <laughs> I really enjoyed her interview, by the way. She is such a doll. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, you can't not love her. 
girl. She is, you know, I, I didn't even have the feeling like that she would have depression. You know what I'm saying? And this mm-hmm. is really important because oftentimes people that do have it, you may not suspect, you know, they can cover up and they can kind of hide their tracks and they may, you might not see it until it becomes a real problem. Well, that was one thing she brought out was that the year that she was in a really deep depression, she had quite a few successes. You know, she was uh, going on tour and created music and there were things in her life that actually looked like she was doing well, but Mm -hmm. behind closed doors when she was in Berlin, you know, the atmosphere she was having issues with a relationship at the time. There were a lot of changes that really contributed to her depression, along with the fact that she had ADHD and, you know, that can often, uh, depression can often be a part of that disorder as well. Right. That's, it's not uncommon. Depression is sort of a it's like a, an umbrella term in a sense because there are different types of depression. Uh, I think we've all experienced depression at one time or another, and you may have family members or friends that say, oh, well, depression's no big deal. I get depressed too. Just get over it, right? And it's really not that simple because depression, you know, wears many faces, And, um, you know, and people that suffer with it commonly lose interest in things. It's difficult for them to identify with who they are. As you said, she had many things to be happy about, many successes to be happy about. But when you're going through something like this, you don't identify. It's very hard to feel, you know, appropriately for the situation. You know, you want to crawl up in your bed and just do nothing and disconnect when you have everything in the world to be happy for. And then that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that could kind of, I mean, contribute to the confusion and also maybe the guilt. I mean, there might be people that say, oh, my gosh, everything seems to be going so well for you. How can you be depressed? Right. Drop out of it. <laughs> right. Or, um, you know, you need to stop feeling this way. I mean, if we could all do that, we wouldn't have conditions like depression. Exactly. And, I mean, we, we've got to remember, too, that depression can be a fatal disorder. I say that because we're going to go over the, the signs and, you know, what to look for, whether you have depression or somebody else is going through it, so that when you come across those signs, you can do something. And then we're going to talk also about what we can do. And, um, you know, right now we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We have to get a little creative about how we show our empathy and our sympathy toward people that are suffering right now. You know, it's stressful. There is a lot of stress to live through a pandemic. There's, and, and there's, a, you know, the economy and there's the fears of, of family or getting sick or whatever. What do I do? I mean, losing your have, job, right? Losing your job <laughs> or, or being forced to reinvent in an, in an area where you can't even really barely talk to other people in person. It's, it's, it's difficult. And we are going to see some of these things. Uh, people might have, uh, they might genetically have maybe a gene that's, that does carry depression. We know that, that there is a strong heredity that goes with this, you know, and sometimes it will not express, but it might express if you're under like some sort of stress. And right now we're all under a lot of stress. I just want to mention a couple other things. Like if you have a physical disease, uh, you know, cancer or heart disease, uh, there could be hormonal changes that cause depression. Absolutely. Even thyroid disease. If you have a problem, get your thyroid checked. Sometimes people, as simple as going and getting a blood test, and they don't even know that their thyroid is off and they're depressed. Exactly. And puberty is a time where often mood disorders can come out during those times. 
Um, we all also heard about the baby blues after people um, have a baby, their you know estrogen, progesterone, all of that goes crazy, and mm-hmm. they can have a, a bout of serious depression. Right. This is kind of why I said it was a the depression. When you call it depression, it's sort of a, an umbrella term because you're you're talking about these symptoms or the things you might feel, but there could be other causes. We oftentimes talk about nature versus nurture. We're seeing now that it's more nature and nurture. So you may already be predisposed to something, but you may never ever have an episode, but you may be predisposed and you you go to Germany to to go gig somewhere and all of a sudden you're getting really more depressed than any of your other friends and you don't know why. Well, that was one thing she said was that she was taking medication for ADHD on and off throughout her life, but in Berlin, they don't normally medicate for ADHD, and so she stopped taking her medication. And she noticed that when she came across roadblocks or challenges in her life, that it would, you know, more likely trigger a depression. And that's exactly what happened. Um, The other thing was that the change in location, just the change of seasons, we're talking about seasonal affective disorder. Um, You have to acclimate to a different to a different place and you know in some of the northern countries you don't get as much sunlight and we know now that seasonal affective disorder is a true thing it affects people that they don't get enough sunlight um oftentimes uh light therapy can be helpful so you know but you have to be aware of these things oftentimes we sit there and say well i don't know what's wrong with me i'm just gonna you know, camp on the couch and I don't want to move. <laughs> you know, you don't know how to treat yourself. Yeah. And that's the hard part. But let's talk about some of the things, uh, the symptoms that she had that were very typical. Like for instance, you know, she talked about a, a, a hopeless outlook, just kind of like feeling like a burden to everyone. And that's it. It's like, you don't feel like doing anything. And oftentimes you can't. You know, your mind is not working properly. Everything seems difficult to do, even the smallest things. And um, she lost interest in her music. Uh, She lost interest in creating music and playing music. And that's when her uh, bandmate kind of sat her down and said, you know what, something is going on. You know, she noticed a difference in her personality. And that's Mm -hmm. one thing to really be aware of is somebody changing their personality, withdrawing, not showing interest, maybe even somebody who's active on social media and then all of a sudden you just don't see any more posts, you may want to check in on that friend. Right. You're right. Uh, One thing I do commonly say about depression in general or any mental illness really uh, is that it's like a thief in the night. It comes in and it just steals from you. And it steals your, uh, the thing that means the most to you, you know, which is your creativity, your, your feelings about interaction with your family or with your friends or, you know, there's a definite change that, that happens and it's, it's really miserable and it, but it is a lot like having a thief just come in and take from you the things that mean the most to you in your life. Yeah, the things that you love. And I remember when I was in the depths of depression, I couldn't listen to music anymore. And that was so mm-hmm. sad for me. I didn't want to go to live music anymore, which is something that I love because it I couldn't feel I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel those positive emotions. You and that's the feeling of disconnection. Um right. all I could feel were the bad emotions, you know? Uh, and she was talking about the thoughts in her mind when she would wake up in the morning and say, oh gosh, I'm still here. It's those, uh, yeah. bad thoughts and it's the disorder. Those are old tapes. They're old tapes that kind of get played within your head, you know, and you start listening to all that chitter chatter mm-hmm. and that is what's so dangerous. 
for me, I learned through cognitive behavioral therapy that the best way is you have to rebut every one of those thoughts. You must stop those that thought. Whenever a bad thought comes in, you must rebut it and get it out of your head because it's lying to you. Depression will steal from you. It will lie to you. It will take you to every depth of despair. And some people don't get out alive. Right. It can be a fatal disease. And um, to not listen to those negative thoughts, uh, but also to be aware that when you're in it, one of the symptoms is thinking about death and thinking about suicide. And that's scary for the person who's going through it, especially if that's not something that, I mean, that is not normal to feel that when you're healthy. But when you are depressed, that is something that will go through your mind. Yeah, they ruminate. They come through intrusively. And, you know, somebody who's on the outside looking in would say that you have so much to live for. I mean, look at look, look, people like Chris Cornell or these people that, are, that have so many things to live for. There were a lot of musicians that at the top of the game, mm-hmm. they ended their yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain, it really comes to mind. I mean, because that was just so brutal. And sometimes the thoughts are very impulsive. And if you have ADHD and you have trouble controlling impulsivity, Mm -hmm. you may have a higher risk. You know, other symptoms, um, having sleep problems, feeling like you're tired all the time, but not being able to get to sleep or sleeping too much. Um, Anxiety is like the... uh, evil stepsister, I guess, of depression. And the anxiety and the fear can really overtake us. I mean, this is like not just worry, but it's um, fear times a hundred. But there are ways to get out of it. And that's the faith that we all need to have is there are ways to get out. I now like to use, uh, I use either Headspace or I use Calm And I tell myself that I give myself as if you were actually going to do commit time at the gym. I commit time for my mental health. And this is what I've found works for me. I have definitely benefited from that. Well, you know, some of the apps that you talked about are great things to do while we're on lockdown. Or when we're, you know, by ourselves, which, you know, oftentimes when we're going through a mood disorder, we want to be by ourselves. But ways to reach out on top of that is things like Zoom. I know the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, they have regular meetings on Zoom where you can speak your mind and commiserate with others, get advice, uh, but also stay anonymous if you'd like. And... um, you know, NAMI, National right. Alliance of Mental Illness. And we have all of these organizations listed on the checkyourheadpodcast.com website uh, because I want it to be in like easy, affordable ways for people to get help. Because, you know, oftentimes when we realize that we need help, you know, where do we go? And this is just an easy well, way for people that, to get help. There is help and it works if you want to work it. It, it definitely does. I'm living proof. A big thank you to singer-songwriter Kat Jensen and to our featured guest, Sammy Dahl. For more information on Sammy Dahl, find her on social media at official Sammy Dahl. For IMX, go to imxmusic.com and hear their new acoustic album entitled Echo Echo. And for Bullet Height, find them on social media at bullet height. So until next time, be brave, ask for help, and be persistent in finding the mental help that you need.
is kindly supported by DBSA San Gabriel Valley, Lemon Tree Studios in Los Angeles, Blue Oak Podcasting, and other kind donors and sponsors. Visit CheckYourHeadPodcast.com where you'll find more resources for mental health, subscribe $2 to our podcast on our Patreon page, and be our friends on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check Your Head Podcast is a 501c3 sponsored nonprofit with all donations being tax deductible. Thank you so much for listening.